Well, what's up, Trace? Uh, it's good to see you guys. Hey, if you wouldn't mind for me really quick, we got a really full room. If there's space kind of in the middle of the row, if you guys could scoot towards the middle, we call this the Trace Scooch. Uh, that'll allow anybody coming in to have somewhere to sit, but I appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, but truly, first, just want to say welcome to any of you guys joining us for the very first time uh, this morning. We're so excited that you're here, and hopefully um, you're excited to be here as well. Uh, my name is Josiah Weiss, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here. And if you were here last week, uh, I am the same Josiah Weiss from this clip right here. Um, and I just want to say this, like... What kind of man gets up to preach about being a man and then hides behind another man's email? You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, but hopefully, <laughs> uh, but hopefully you guys know how much I appreciate that man and how much I appreciate him speaking into my marriage and my family. And hopefully you guys know how special it is. Uh, truly to have a pastor like him at this church. Um, and I also hope that you guys have enjoyed this series and I, at the very least uh, gotten something out of this series. I know I have. And uh, over the last several weeks, we've been in this series called Unpopular, where we've been talking about the fact that if, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus or you've made that decision to make Jesus the leader and Lord of your life, then as one of those people, you just have to know we got to get more and more comfortable with becoming more and more unpopular. That some of the stances we take on things like transgender, homosexuality, uh, abortion, you need to know that those run counter to what culture would believe or what culture would say, making not only those stances unpopular, but also us as well uh, who, who adhere to some of those things. Uh, but then also that, that culture and Christianity, they no run, longer run on parallel tracks, that in a lot of ways, uh, they, they run in opposite directions. And so we want you to feel as equipped as possible. We want the people of Trace Church to feel as equipped as possible for whenever these times come. And so that's why Pastor Aaron, he kicked this series off two weeks ago and, and talked to us about our priorities that the first thing we gotta do is we gotta get our priorities straight, that as Jesus says, we gotta seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, that we're called to seek after God's kingdom first, above our careers, above our finances, above our busy uh, kids' sports schedules, all those different things. But to be clear, this isn't gonna make you more popular. This is gonna make you more unpopular. But then Pastor Aaron got up last week and he talked to us uh, uh, men and he, he challenged us with this verse from 1 Corinthians 16, 13 that says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, that the church, it doesn't need more nice guys, that the church, it needs more good men. And guys, I gotta be honest, y'all showed up this weekend that we had 185 men in this church last week or this weekend, yeah. That's worth celebrating. That's 185 men who are going back into the world with a more defined calling of who God is calling them to be and whatever environment they're in. That's huge. And as we celebrate this in this room, that's great, but you also have to know that there's people outside this room that, that, that may not want to celebrate that at all. That as followers of Jesus, we have to get more comfortable with becoming more and more Unpopular, And so every single week we've started the sermon out just reading through a couple statements to kind of get us in the right headspace. And so I want to do that again today. It says this, that Christianity is not adding Jesus to an already busy life. Christianity is making Jesus your life. The Christianity is not adding God to an already planned out life. It's making God's plan your life. 
That Christianity is not following the Holy Spirit's convictions when it works for you, when it's convenient. It's allowing the Spirit of God to continuously work through you. And as Christians, we must be prepared to become increasingly more unpopular so that we don't conform to the culture, but instead we learn how to change it. And guys, that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about this morning. And so today, all I wanna do is I just wanna show you one verse in scripture. One verse in scripture that I think is so crucial, so important to, uh, when it comes to some of these things that we've been talking about here recently. And so I'm gonna pray, and then we'll go ahead and dive in this morning. God, thank you for this time. Every single week where we dive into your word and you show us what you want from us. God, I pray that we would be the kind of people that don't conform to the culture, but instead are just so comfortable with being unpopular because we know your truth, Lord. God, I pray that you speak to us this morning. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn them open, turn them on to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're gonna be today. But before we get there, just wanna say this. If any of you in this room, uh, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're new to Christianity, maybe you've never read a Bible before in your life, and if that's you, I'm so glad that you're here. But also wanna let you know that in the back on the side of the booth, uh, we have some Bibles that, that are for you, that if you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those, bring it home. That's what they're there for. So make sure you grab one of those. But for the rest of us, in this room, anytime that we open God's word, it's always a good principle to adhere to this rule right here, which is context before content. Context before content. That we never wanna be guilty as people of pulling out random verses in scripture and making them mean something that they've never meant. That we always have to be willing to look at who that was being written to, who that was being written by, and also what time was it being written so that we can try to decipher and interpret what was the author's intended meaning from that verse. And so this morning, that's exactly what I want to do. That before we dive into Romans chapter 12, I want to give you a little bit of context about what's going on here. So the book of Romans is this letter that's written by this Jewish guy named Paul. And Paul's job in the first century was to go from city to city around the Mediterranean Sea and in Asia Minor and start churches. And so he would go into these cities and he would preach the message of Jesus uh, first to the Jews and then he would move on to the non-Jews. They're also called Gentiles in scripture to the Gentiles. And, and he would talk to them about the message of Jesus. And when he felt like he had a good foundation of believers and he felt like he had a good foundation of leaders to lead the church, he would leave. And he would go to the next city and he would do the exact same thing. And occasionally he would write letters, sometimes they're called epistles. He would write letters back to those communities of faith that he had started, both encouraging them, sometimes critiquing them, or just checking in on them to see how they were doing. And that's how we get most of the New Testament. And so this particular book, the book of Romans, was written to a group of people. I'll let you guess where they live. It's Rome, good job, uh, which makes sense, right? Uh, that the Romans are in Rome. And so he's writing to this group of people and they're a pretty diverse group of Christians. Uh, that Rome was already kind of this melting pot of civilizations because it was the hub of the Roman Empire. Uh, but not only that, but the, the church there was made up uh, of Jewish converts and Roman converts. And so on the one side, you had uh, this group of Jewish people that were pretty legalistic. Uh, they thought they were better than everyone because they were 
were God's chosen people. And then on the other side, you have this group of Romans that grew up with these like really pagan uh, practices and uh, procedures for their religion. And they come together after they've converted into Christianity. And, And what's hard for them is they're both having a hard time leaving behind their previous cultures. They're both having a hard time leaving behind their previous belief systems. Um, both for the Jews and the Romans, because Christianity was teaching something different, not only different than what they believed, but something actually in opposition to what they believe in. So they're both having a really hard time uh, doing this, that there was this war between Christ and culture. Does that sound familiar? And you can probably understand why I wanted to talk about this today. But Paul, in, in Romans chapter 12, he's just spent the first 11 chapters of Romans trying to explain the gospel in as clear terms as possible. And he says, look, we're all sinners who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin, it separates us from God and it leaves us hopeless. But God, because he loves us so much, he sent his son uh, down to this earth to die in that gap so that we would have a way back to God. And he offers this thing called grace to us. And this grace is not dependent on who you are, It's not dependent on what you've done. It's not dependent on how your story reads uh, up into this point. Um, But in chapter 12, he's gonna pivot. He's gonna stop talking about grace and he's gonna start talking about what do we do with that grace? How do we live our lives because of that grace? You know, what does our lives, what should our lives actually look like? And so this is what he says in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse one. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of that grace we just talked about, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That what Paul is saying here is that what we do in here on Sunday mornings, that's great. Like when we come in here and we sing the songs and we raise our hands and we're all doing this together, that's important and that's worship. But he's saying, you know what else matters? It matters how you live your life when you leave this building. It matters how, how you live your life outside of these walls, that how you live your life out there, that, that's also worship. That how you tip your waiter, that's worship. That, that how you talk to your spouse and your kids, that's worship. How you drive your car, that's worship. And that's also the reason I don't have a trace sticker on my car is because it would hurt us a little bit more than it would help us. But guys, how you live your life, that's worship. Then Paul goes on to say this in verse two, and this is the verse I wanna spend the rest of the time looking at, the one I really want us to focus on. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you do those two things, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. And so when you look at this verse, really, it can be broken down into three uh, distinct parts, three things that Paul is trying to get in our heads, three things that we should remember when it comes to trying to maintain uh, the faith that we have in a culture that opposes it, that he says, do these three things. The first thing he says is don't conform, don't conform. Then he says, instead, be transformed. And if you do that, then you'll know God's will. And so today, all I wanna do is look at those three parts 
and look how they should impact our lives uh, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, starting with the first one, which is don't conform, don't conform. Uh, so growing up, I was a pretty weird kid. Um, I was pretty nerdy, pretty skinny. On top of that, I was pretty sheltered, uh, which basically equated to any time there was a new trend or fad, uh, I probably didn't know about it. There was a high probability I didn't know about it. Uh, that even to this day, I've always been bad with these things. I don't know what's going on half the time uh, when it comes to style or lingo or what's on the internet. I just don't care that much. But um, like this still affects me today. Even as a student pastor, I can't tell you how many times like a student will run up to me and, and they'll be really excited and they'll start talking to me and they'll start using these words and these phrases that I've never heard of in my life. Um, but rather than asking them to explain what they're saying and look like an idiot. Uh, oftentimes I'll just like nod my head and be like, yeah, for sure. Like mullets are sick, dude. Like, yes, you guys are the first ones to do them. They look good on everybody that has them. And sorry if you have a mullet today. Uh, but, you know, or they'll come up to me and they'll be like, yeah, I've been really busy recently. You know, I've been working a lot. My boss just, he just keeps giving me a ton of hours. And then they'll lean in and they'll say, but you know, you gotta get those bags. And I'm like, I do know. I don't, I don't know what's in the bags, uh, but you have to get them. I mean, you gotta get them, right? But I've always been behind with these things that most of the time, by the time I catch up to a trend, it's already long past. Like uh, this last Wednesday night, I saw this kid, he was rolling around on some heelys, uh, the shoes with the wheels in them. And I, I thought this, I genuinely thought this. I thought, maybe I should get some of those. And the next thought I had was, you're 27 years old. Um, you missed that trend by like 20 years. Like, what are you doing? But I've always been behind. Anybody else with me there? Okay, thank you. The rest of you are liars. Uh, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But when I read a verse like Romans 12 uh, that says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, I'm like, check. You know, I got, got that one in the bag, as I say, another bag phrase. But... While I'm kidding, uh, when we take a deeper look at this passage, that's not really what Paul's talking about, right? He's not really talking about trends. He's not talking about TikTok dances or, or different fads. No, he's going much deeper than that. This is actually very hostile language. Uh, it's actually really anti-Roman language. And I, I would actually tell you it's, it's really anti-American language uh, that Paul is using as well. That it was common practice for the Romans back then uh, whenever they conquered a new people group, they would immediately start to assimilate them into their, their culture. And the main way they would do this is that after they conquered the territory, they would transplant all these Romans into that territory to begin to assimilate them into Roman culture and practices. And then they would pull out all the rich, all the powerful, all the influential people from that culture and bring them to Rome. And then in Rome, they would begin to indoctrinate them in what was Roman and what was not. And so they would do this through art, through politics, through entertainment, architecture, even the way they set up their bathrooms uh, were meant to assimilate people into Roman culture. And so when Paul, when he writes these words where he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, he's not just talking about trends. Um, he, he's talking about some of these things that he, he's calling these Roman and these Jewish Christians to abstain from this pull that, that Roman culture is having on them, to abstain from these messages uh, and instead, uh, you know, turn to Jesus because these messages, this culture, it's running counter to what Jesus is calling them to. And I'm telling you this morning that that call he is giving to those Roman Christians is the same call that he's giving us 
today. Because if you don't think that some 2,000 years later, the same thing isn't happening here in America, I'm sorry, you're just kidding yourself. That every advertisement that we see, every TV show or movie that we watch, every time we open our phones and we start scrolling, you just have to know there's somebody on the other end of that that is trying to get your heart. And oftentimes they're trying to get your heart with a message that runs counter to the message of Jesus that it runs counter to what Jesus and Christ is calling us to, that culture, it tells us things like, hey, what you have, that's not enough. That as a man, if you really wanna be a man, then go buy that new truck. Or you do need the new uh, fall attire. You do need to order that next thing off of Amazon, that you need uh, the bigger house, the better TV, the newest iPhone, even though there's nothing different with it. But Christ, sorry, had to. uh, But Christ, what does Christ tell us? He says, beware. He says, guard against every kind of greed. Your life is not measured by how much you own. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things happen. He says, where your treasure is, it's likely that's where your heart's gonna be as well. That culture says, what you own is who you are. But Christ says what you own will end up owning you if you're not careful. That culture says we just want you to be happy, right? Treat yourself. You deserve it. You're worth it. That after all, this is your journey. This is your life. You should do with it how you want. Follow your heart, which is like the worst advice ever. Ultimately, culture tells us this right here. This is all about me. But what does Christ say? He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves. Other translations say die to themselves and take up their cross and daily follow me. That whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. That the message of Jesus is very clear. This is not about you. This is not about me. And so when Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, he's not talking about trends. He's saying, flee from materialism. Turn your back on entitlement. You don't deserve it. Flee from consumerism. Those things, why? Those things are not of God. Do not buy into them. Guys, we have to fix our filters when it comes to some of this stuff that we have to stop conforming to these messages that culture is shoving down our throats. And listen, let me say this clearly, like I get it. I get how hard this is. Like we are constantly inundated with messages like this. But I am watching as we are losing an entire generation that is conforming to whatever culture is telling them. And here's the scariest part is that for so many of us in this room, myself included at times, we're not just uh, talk, not talking about it, but we're actually reinforcing some of the things that God is calling us to turn our backs and run from. But listen, in order for us to fix this, in order for us to change our worldviews, to fix our filters, it's not gonna come from us. You can't just be disciplined enough. It's not gonna happen. That culture is too influential, too powerful. We are too inundated with these things. But Paul tells us how we do this. He says, surrender yourself to this process of transformation that only comes, only comes when we put ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says in this verse again, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But instead he says this phrase right here, but be transformed. That means it's not up to you. 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we can hear that phrase, the renewing of your mind, and we're like, that sounds cool. But what does that really look like? What does that actually mean for each and every single one of us? So I'll illustrate it uh, this way. Over the last several months, uh, my wife Jessica and I, we've been in kind of a unique uh, struggle. And for whatever reason, whether it's because uh, she wears a lot of overalls or she runs off to the bathroom all the time or uh, we've made jokes about this uh, at different times, but for whatever reason, people just keep asking her if she's pregnant. And I don't know what kind of homes you guys grew up in, but I grew up in the kind of homes where like, you never ask that, right? Uh, that you, you never ask if, if that's what's going on because uh, there's no recovery uh, whenever you're wrong. Um, but for whatever reason, people here and people outside, whenever we're running around, people keep asking her that. And so to be clear, uh, she's not pregnant. We are just having a baby. No, I'm just kidding. She is pregnant. I just wanna watch some of you guys squirm a little bit. Um, thanks. But we are pumped. And the reason I tell you that is one, so that you guys have permission to ask about it. But then two, uh, because we've really been struggling to come up with names. Uh, we both work with kids and students. And so what that means is that there's a, not a lot of names that we like uh, that other people already have. And while I would love to tell you uh, that it's never affected our decision to name our kid after somebody, uh, that's just not true. Um, that we've, we've had some names ruined. Uh, but just being honest, uh, but when it comes to names that we do like, the other thing is as soon as we pick a name, we hear that name all over the place, right? You guys get this. It's kind of like whenever you uh, buy a new car and you think you're the only one in the city that drives it and then you drive off the lot and you see it everywhere you go. And there's actually a psychological phenomenon that happens with this. It's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. Uh, it's also called the frequency illusion. And I like that title better because it's easier to say. So that's what we're gonna go with. But this is how the frequency illusion works. That first there's what's called initial awareness. And so initial awareness is the first time you learn about something, the first time you view something, the first time that you see something. It's like when you hear the name or see the car for the first time in those illustrations. But it moves from initial awareness to what's called focused attention, which is what it sounds like, where you intentionally focus on something. Uh, wives, this is when your husband is watching the game and there's no world outside of whatever game is on, right? Uh, that, that you intentionally focus on something and you intentionally lose focus of everything else around you. But then it moves from that to what's called confirmation bias. And a lot of times confirmation bias has a negative reputation, but this is when you notice or believe things uh, that confirm what you already think. That it's ignoring opposing thoughts to strengthen what you currently believe. And the reason I say that gets a negative connotation is that uh, you should look at opposing views. You should think critically. You should look at, at opposing uh, viewpoints. But, but this is also, confirmation bias is also how we build our filters. That after you've spent the time looking at those things, confirmation bias is what sorts all the garbage out of your life. And that's important. But after all of this happens, your brain moves into what's called memory-based decision-making. And I think this is fascinating. But your brain will literally create shortcuts in it based on how quickly you can access the information. And the second criteria is based on how often you think those thoughts. And what's really cool about this is it allows your decision-making to become less of a choice and more of a habit. So this is what happens whenever you get in the car after work, you start the car, and then all of a sudden you end up at home. Like you didn't think about turning right, you didn't think about putting it in drive, it just happens. Those decisions, they're automatic. And so put simply, this is 
this is kind of the conclusion of this, but simply, the more intentionally that you focus on something, not only the more you will notice it around you, but actually the easier it becomes to make decisions using that information. Why are we talking about this? Because when Paul says, don't conform, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul understands how this process works. And he probably wouldn't call it frequency illusion, but he understands what's going on. That when we allow ourselves to interact with God's word on a daily basis, that when we show up to church every single Sunday, regardless of what's going on on our calendars, and when we show up prepared, ready to take notes, when we talk about those things in our small groups, when, when we spend dedicated time praying and talking to God, when we listen to worship music on the way to work, when we saturate our lives with the things of God, when we saturate our lives with the things of God, we are allowing our minds to be renewed. That when we spend focused attention on the things of God, we are allowing him to transform the way that we think. And when we do that, it affects the decisions that we end up making. Then not only will it become easier to see where God is working in your life, not only will it be able to filter out the garbage and the things that are not of God, not only will we be able to clearly see, hey, where does God's word line up with my experience? But one by one, Decision by decision, moment by moment, our decisions will begin to line up with Jesus, with what Jesus wants for our lives. And it gets easier and easier and easier. And God, he designed our brains this way. And this is why Paul says this in Philippians 4. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think about those things. Put those things on your mind. That Paul knows uh, that the more we saturate our lives with the things of God, the more godly our decisions become. But you guys know this. It also works in reverse, right? You guys have heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, my, my mom used to tell me that all the time, that the more garbage we take in, the more garbage decisions that we're gonna make. The, the, the more uh, often that, that we're comparing our lives on social media, the more natural it is for us to see all the things we don't have in, in our lives. That if we're constantly being critiqued at work, uh, then naturally we're gonna be more critical of our spouse and we're gonna be more critical uh, of our kids when we get home. That if we're constantly watching these movies, watching these TV shows that, that make a mockery, of marriage, of sexuality, uh, of gender, then naturally, guys, we're gonna have a lower sexual ethic and we're probably gonna be more sexually promiscuous. That if we're constantly smoking weed, if we're constantly trying to drown our problems away with alcohol, then guys, naturally, we're always going to be looking for the next high. That if we're constantly looking at pornography, like you have to know that naturally, you are going to look at people and relationships different because of that. That guys, what we allow in, what we allow into our minds, it affects us more than we think that, that it does. And it affects those around us even more than that. But listen, Paul is saying there's a better way. That God, he wants more for your life. And I hope you do as well. And we have to fix our filters when it comes to some of these things. We have to change our worldview when it comes to some of this stuff. Why? Paul gives us the motivation for why at the end of this verse. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? 
so that then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And Paul says, don't conform. Instead, be transformed. But if you do those things, then you will know God's will. And like, guys, I get it. Once again, I've, I've been here before. I understand how hard this is. But I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody sitting across from me in my office or sitting across the table from somebody at a coffee shop and they ask me a question or they say something along the lines of, I just wanna know what God's will is for my life. I just wanna know what I should do next. I just wanna see clearly what God wants from me. Or they'll say something like, I don't know what I should do. And we start digging into their life a little bit. And you start asking, what do your habits look like? And they start describing to me how they're conforming in the world. And they start describing to me how they're allowing garbage into their lives. And like I said, I've sat in that seat so many times in the opposite seat where I'm the one saying where I've conformed, where I've fallen short. And sometimes I just want somebody on the end of the table that looks at me in the eyes and says, what did you think was gonna happen? What did you think was gonna happen with all those things that you're taking into your life? You think they were just gonna disappear? No, Paul is saying, hey, anyone in here wanna know what God's plan is for their life? Anyone in here wanna know what they should be doing next? Anyone want clarity about where their life is headed? Paul is saying that maybe the best thing for us when we're trying to figure out what God is saying to us is to put our phones down and spend some time looking at what God has already said to us in his word. Maybe for some of us, if, if we wanna figure out why things are the way that they are because we don't understand Paul is saying maybe the best thing for you is to spend some time on your knees talking to the guy who created all of it. That Paul is saying you wanna answer questions about purpose and identity and belonging. How about you spend some time focusing on the fact that there is a God up in heaven that loves you so much that he sent his son down to this earth to die on a cross for you and take your place even though we didn't deserve it. You don't think that's gonna change the way you think? You don't think thinking about those things will change how you answer questions like, who am I? Where do I belong? What is my purpose? Guys, thinking about those things will radically change your life. That when you change the way you think, you change the decisions that you make. But guys, none of this happens. None of this happens unless we intentionally focus on the things that we are being called to in this verse, to not conform, to be transformed, but then also to know God's will. Now, I believe this, that God is calling each and every single one of us to make some unpopular decisions today. And maybe for you, I don't know what this looks like, but maybe for you, it's to make the decision to intentionally miss out to delete your social media accounts and realize you're really not missing out on that much. Or maybe for you, it's to make the decision to put the bottle down, to put the blunt down and use that awkward sentence, no, I'm good, I don't do that anymore. Or maybe for you, you don't need to watch that movie. You don't need to catch up on that TV show. Maybe that person is changing you more than you think you are changing them. Maybe some of you need to be single for a little while and that's okay. Guys, I don't know what decision that you need to make, but I know in my life, a lot of times the reason I haven't made decisions like that is because they weren't the popular ones. But I can tell you this, 
that your faith, it's worth not watching that movie. That your family, it's worth more than the people that follow you on an account that may not even know you. That your future, guys, it's more it's worth more than 16 ounces of liquid. And so today to close, here's all I wanna do. I just want us to close our eyes and I, I'm gonna ask one question and read this verse one more time. But I want us to answer this question. What unpopular decision does God want me to make today? What unpopular decision does God need me to make today? And so I'll read this verse and then we'll pray and be done. This is what it says. It's the message paraphrase. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. And it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Don't conform. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, be transformed. Readily recognize what he wants from you. That's no God's will and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God, he brings out the best of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. And Paul says, don't conform. Be transformed. Why? So that you can know God's will. What unpopular decision does God need you to make today? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. And thank you for your word. And thank you for putting us in a place where God, we, we can, we can talk to you. That is this easy. That we can open up your word and we can see what you're saying to us. God, I, I ask that whatever decisions we need to make, unpopular or not, God, I pray that we would have the courage to do so. That God, I can speak from experience. I know the times in my life where I've neglected to make decisions like that. And I know you don't sit up there and say, what do you think would happen? That you offer grace to us in those moments. But God, I pray that you would take the garbage out of our lives, that you have more in store for us and those things are getting in the way. God, whatever decision needs to be made, God, I pray that it is. God, we love you and we're so grateful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.